Happy summertime, y'all. It's the time of year to go places and take in some live music. And in this episode of Southern Songs and Stories, we tag along with some of the artists profiled in this series as they tell us some of their tales from being on those highways and byways. You'll hear new stories from bands featured on previous episodes, like Town Mountain and the John Stickley Trio. And you'll hear from artists like His Cold and Messenger, which is playing right now. Plus, Danger Muffin, The Deer, Yonder Mountain String Band, and The Traveling Kind, which will give you a peek at some of what we have in store. Thanks for paying a visit to Southern Songs and Stories, where we spotlight the music of the South and the artists who make it. Southern Songs and Stories is produced in partnership with Grassroots Radio, WNCW, and the Osiris Podcast Network, and is available wherever you get your podcasts. One of the easiest ways to help spread awareness of these artists, their music, and this series is to subscribe to the podcast and to give it a good rating and a comment on the platforms where you listen to your podcasts. We always want to improve and want your input so we can give you more podcasts and experiences that you love. So we're doing a listener survey. When you complete the survey, you can enter to win an amazing limited edition original Osiris poster. We'll be selecting three winners at random. Click on the link in the show notes to take the survey today. Thanks for listening and for supporting great music and great podcasts. There are more than 80,000 miles of highways in the state of North Carolina. Only Texas has more miles of highway in the U.S. Some of those North Carolina highways took me to the Cold Mountain Music Festival recently, where I caught up with Yonder Mountain String Band. It was a long way away from home for all five members of the band. They've been associated with Colorado since their beginning back around 1998, but several in the group now live outside the Centennial State. Adam Ajala and Dave Johnston are still in Colorado, while Ben Kaufman lives in California, Jacob Jolliffe is from Brooklyn, and Allie Crawl calls St. Louis home. It was a crisp late spring evening in the Blue Ridge where Yonder Mountain played a set, including this. Here's a brand new fast bluegrass number that we just came up with. You go rolling by Pass with all of your solutions I want to catch your Ride to somewhere And the rest I'm leaving back there Black truck, black
truck flying down the road. It's been a news and revolution. Near the homestead Rain cloud, rain cloud The girl that I love best Saw somebody hanging around the doorstep I want to catch your ride to somewhere And the rest I'm leaving back there Rain cloud, rain cloud Rising in the west Saw somebody hanging around the doorstep Founding member Adam Ayala told the story of Yonder Mountain String Band's very first tour back in 1999. Now, musicians, raise your hand if something like this has ever happened to you. The RV they rented had a mechanical problem. Shocker, I know. In their case, the vehicle had two gas tanks, but it would not change over to the second tank, so they could only use one tank for the whole tour through Utah, Oregon, and Washington. They had a range of about 100 miles before they would have to stop for gas again. Fun. Fast forward almost two decades and we got to this road story. Here's Yonder Mountain's mandolinist, Jacob Jolliffe. Well, like two and a half years ago, I got my first smartphone. Um, I went to a store, uh, and uh, I think somewhere in Illinois or Iowa, and... um, you know, I was going to get another flip phone, but they were all out of flip phones. So I'm like, okay, it's time. So I'll switch carriers from T-Mobile to Verizon, and I'll get, I'll get a smartphone. So I go to this other the Verizon store. I get the phone all picked out. And uh, then at the end, she's like, well, I need your old T-Mobile PIN number to put your old number to the new phone. And I'm like, there's, you know, I don't have that. My mom, you know, it's, um, you know, she's the one that signed me up for this plan when I was like 16. You know, I don't, I don't have that. She's like, well, that's no, no problem. You know, I'll, uh, you find it later and you can switch the number over. But for now, this, this new iPhone you have will have a temporary number. Um, and so over the last few years of being in the band, Adam would relentlessly give me crap about having a flip phone, not just making fun of the phone, but saying how I think I'm too cool for school. I think I'm just cooler than everybody else. And I'm a Brooklyn hipster. And that's why I have a flip phone. 
where the reality is he's he's out to lunch and I just was lazy and just didn't want a freaking uh, smartphone. So anyway, I get back to the bus and I tell everybody, guys, so I finally did get a smartphone, but don't tell Adam. Don't tell Adam because right now the smartphone has a temporary number. So the next day we're in this festival in West Virginia. I get off the bus. And okay, just so you know, Adam's super paranoid. He's got cameras all over his house. He's just a super <laughs> scared, paranoid person, right? Um, <clears throat> anyway, I get off the just to set the stage a lot. I get off the I get off the bus, and uh, we're at this festival in West Virginia. And I take a picture of the front of the bus and I just send it to Adam, and I just say, "Welcome to West Virginia." That's it. So no huge surprise. Adam doesn't respond to that. But because, you know, you know, traveling around, you give your number to all kinds of random like runners, maybe, and people from um, clubs, festivals. So, you know, he probably just figures it's a random person. I think you that's know? literally what I thought. Like, just, I it's just some rando. Ride. Yeah. And so, you know, he's at this point not overly concerned. But um, I give it 24 hours and 500 miles. You know, we drive to Canton, North Carolina. And that's where I strike again. I get off the bus. I take a picture of this festival we're at. And I'm just say the Canton Labor Day Fest and send that to Adam. <clears throat> so mind you, now he's getting a second text, same number, 500 miles away. So he's more concerned, I think, at this point. Though he still hasn't said anything to anyone else on the bus. No one knows. Yeah. And so I'm like, I decide that the story isn't heating up quite fast enough. So I'm going to move things along a little bit. And I, uh, about an hour after I send that photo, mind you, Adam's still in his bunk asleep. I come on the bus, I just take a picture of the inside of the fridge and say, like, where do you keep the mustard or something like that. Send that along to Adam. So at this point, <clears throat> I go to the hotel to take a shower. And then um, when I'm at the hotel, I start getting texts from other people uh, in, the, in the crew. Um, you know, everyone's in on the joke. And the band's saying, you know, you've got a fish on the line. Adam is freaked out. Because apparently that day, Adam comes out of his bunk, having gotten the Ken Labor Day Fest text and the fridge text. And he's like, immediately like whips open the fridge. He's like, showing people, look, it's the same fridge. It's the same fridge. It's like, and, and other people are just like, and other people are just like, no, it doesn't look quite the same. It doesn't look quite the same. And he's like, no, it looks exactly the same. And so apparently, and now I'm getting all this. I'm at the hotel. And I'm getting all this via other people. And then apparently, I talk, I think I talked to our monitor engineer or our tour manager on the phone. Apparently, Adam sat everyone down and was like, now if anyone, if this is a joke. Not all at once, but basically confronted everyone. If this is a joke, if someone's messing with me, it's all right. Just tell me now because it's starting to freak me out. No one said a single word. <laughs> Mom's the word. Mom's the word. And so, uh, yeah, you know, he's real freaked out. Um, and so I started thinking, you know, I got to probably tell him, you know. So I, I had come up with this creative way to end the whole thing. But the fact that Adam was so freaked out and that everyone had stood their ground. So from there... He would have been able to pull that off, but I called the number and he answered and I recognized his voice. But I would I wouldn't have Okay, in an alternate universe, the plan was I wasn't wouldn't have answered that. I had taken a picture of the hotel room I was in with the number. It said 253 and um, Adam was going to go use the hotel. Adam was going to use the very So my plan was leave the hotel, wait 10 minutes and send a text that just said 253 is a nice little room. And then like and then like 10 seconds later I would send a picture of myself like thumbs out and I even took these pictures yeah, I was already yeah but I just I felt the need to let him off a little earlier because he was freaked out Next up a misadventure which comes from my interview with MC Taylor of His Golden Messenger a conversation which had its own mini misadventure prologue On my way to the venue 
a torrential thunderstorm knocked down a power line at the main entrance. I was directed to come in the back way, which involved a bunch of unfamiliar roads in a section of Asheville that I never knew existed. It only took going the wrong way once before I figured it out, though, so I'll count that as a win. His Golden Messenger has a new record coming out titled Terms of Surrender. And here's a bit of the first single, I Need a Teacher. Love me hard, cry like a thunder, keep that floor, painted a different color. I mean, I've had a lot of a lot of episodes. Um, I've been on the road for for all of my adult life. Um, one thing that often comes to mind that is was kind of a horror story at the time, but I always seem to remember it now is. I was on the road in um, in England maybe five years ago, and we had just played a festival the day before, and we were playing a small pub um, in a very beautiful area, the Cotswolds, and um, we were staying at the promoter's house, um, which was a flat above the above the um, the pub. And so, um, while the surroundings were gorgeous, the the flat that we were staying in was absolutely disgusting, um, and which was surprising because he had a bunch of like he was a dad and he had a bunch of kids there, and it was just absolutely so dirty. And um, so we, he told us that we could stay in his kids' bedroom, which had two sets of bunk beds and that the kids were going to sleep somewhere else. So we played the show, and it's late. We come up, we go to bed in the kids' bedroom, and one of us wakes up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and can't get out. We can't get out of the room. So we've been locked in the room from the outside. And so um, we're trying to we're trying to somehow open the door with credit cards and um, we're peeing out the window and uh, we're calling the guy's phone number and the phone is sitting, he's not using a cell phone, it's still a regular landline and the phone is sitting right outside the door so we're calling the number but it's just ringing to this phone outside the door and the, the, the promoter had gotten so drunk and stayed up so late that he just never uh never picked up the phone and so this went on for hours into the morning finally we got him he got up he picked up the phone and he he's like he was so confused and befuddled and we said you got to open the door we're locked in this room and um you know he kind of uh (laughs) apologetically opened the door And we were just like, man, what are you doing? Why do you have a lock on the outside of the door? He's like, well, it's my kid's room. Like, that's not a good explanation. Um, It was extremely weird. So 
needless to say, we hightailed it out of there pretty fast. It might be funny now, but that was definitely not funny then. It was, it was a strange situation then. <laughs> This is the song The Price of Being Nice, written by fiddle player Lindsay Pruitt, who was in one of the first podcasts on Southern Songs and Stories, which featured her band, the John Stickley Trio. She shared this tale that wasn't funny then, and unlike MC Taylor's story, isn't funny now either. It's something that happens to touring musicians all too often. I don't know why, but like, I've had my violin since I was 12. So, um,. Yeah, when I was like when I was a teenager, I named it Lily for some reason. But I think that's like a good name. For well, her violin—I don't know if you guys knew this—her violin was stolen, and then we got it back like two months later. Totally stolen and recovered yeah. in Colorado. In Colorado, Hap- I mean, all these things had to happen for us to get it back. It was the door guy at a, at the gig when it was gone. He just remembered and he bought it at a pawn shop. For his daughter and was like wait a minute and started what? remembering her crying to him to him yeah. about it got and contacted us and we got it back when he bought it he didn't even remember really he was just like that looks like a nice fiddle my daughter wants a fiddle he bought it this is in denver it got stolen in idaho springs like we've already come home to north carolina and he's like uh starts looking looking it up and researching it finds out it's a really nice fiddle um, that he got for 500 bucks yeah. and then so a light bulb went off. He's like, yeah. I just met, like, two months ago, I met this girl who had just her violin stolen. She was from North Carolina. She had just had her fiddle yeah. stolen. Yeah. And he didn't even remember who it was, who we were, or anything. And it took him a long time to just, just to figure out what band that she played in. Because he's the doorman at a club. Like, and he worked at the how club. Would, so he, he didn't remember like, who was playing that night. I mean, there was yeah. like three bands playing that yeah. night. Yeah, it was 4th of July. And that was one night, you know. And, uh, so incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm lucky not to have anything that important stolen from me when I was traveling. The closest thing I can recall is when I left my retainer at a restaurant when I was a kid. I got it back, though, thanks to my dad turning around to go dig it out of the kitchen's trash can. Those were back in the days when we would sometimes drive around the countryside for entertainment. In the days of the fuzzbuster and a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. Up next is a story from the Charleston, South Carolina six-piece band, The Traveling Kind. We had a guitar player named Scotty Fryer for a while, and uh, Scotty was new to the road, and um, he didn't really understand uh, a lot of things that were required, like packing clothes. And uh, so he said, uh, well, we need to... stop at a Kohl's so I can get a pair of pants. And we're like, stop at a Kohl's for a pair of pants? So, you know, we said, okay, well, no problem. And uh, It was also one pair of white pants for like a three-day run. So here's, here's, a, here's a side story of that. So once we decided to stop somewhere, we decided to stop somewhere. So these guys in their forward vehicle, we were going to Edisto Beach to play a show that night. 
I finally said, hey guys, we're gonna stop in Walterboro. There's a Belk there where Scotty can find a pair of jeans. And they said, we're just gonna go ahead and go to Edisto. And I said, okay, y'all go ahead. We just gotta get Scotty a pair of jeans, get him set up, that's fine. So Brent, Scotty and I pull over in Walterboro. We go off track just a little bit to go to the Belk. We pull over and Brent and I decide to stay in the car and say, okay, Scotty, go inside, get a pair of jeans. You got 10, 15 minutes, then we're out of here. We're out of here. He goes, okay, cool. So Brent and I park, Scotty gets out, he walks in the store, we're sitting there chilling, we're listening to music, everything's cool, five minutes goes by, eight minutes goes by, <laughs> ten minutes goes by, fifteen minutes goes by, literally, about, am I wrong, I mean, close to twenty minutes goes by. Like, Alright, I'm going in after And I say, man, I'm, I'm going in. I said, Brent, take the keys, hide the car, let's mess with him a little bit. I'm going to go in and get with him. I can't remember if you moved the car or not. Or I moved the car. Well, either way. So I go in thinking that Scotty is looking for a pair of jeans. Well, as I walk in and, and approach the men's section, I see off in the distance Scotty holding up a T-shirt in front of the mirror, sizing it up to see if it looks good on, on him or not. Medium. This is 20 minutes later. So I go in and I, and I said, I said, Scotty. What are you doing? And he faces me. He goes, I don't know. Does this shirt look good on me? <laughs> no, he, he was trying to. Said you too. came in here to get a pair of jeans, man. <laughs> get your white jeans. Let's go. Let's <laughs> just go. And I threw a pair of jeans at him. I said, What size are you? He's like, I don't know, 38. I'm like, Here's a 36 and a 40. Let's just go. <laughs> 45 minutes later, we pull out of the belt parking lot and make it to Edisto within what 20 minutes of us having to start. Even though it sounds like it didn't end well for Scotty's run with the band, they really have no hard feelings whatsoever. Jumping from South Carolina to Texas and back to South Carolina again, here's Austin band The Deer from their interview at the Albino Skunk Music Festival. I did two months with our brother band, The Whiskey Shivers, in Europe. And on day three, I went into this amazing market in London and bought a brie wheel and cut a little chunk of it and ate it and then uh, passed out and somebody had put it up on this top shelf in the back of the Sprinter and I thought that they had thrown it out and nobody fessed up to it. And slowly over the course of seven and a half weeks we just kept smelling this horrendous and blaming each other's socks and calling each other out. We'd have like periodic van cleanouts and be like, there is something rotting in here. It's probably this old burrito or something. And, but the, the smell still remained. And literally three days before the end of the tour, back in London, we already traversed over six, seven countries um, on ferries, highways, autobahns. And uh, I was looking up on the top shelf and found my Brie Will, um, which <laughs> turned into a blue cheese, uh, kind of purple. Jeez. And uh, it, the smell was so bad, I puked in my mouth. And then uh, I, had to, I had to go get a bag and uh, put it on my hand and... And nobody was around, and so I didn't want to fess up to it. And then later on in the day, I was like, hey, y'all, 
Remember my breed, Cheesewell? Uh, that was in the van for the last seven and a half weeks, and we're probably going to have to pay, um, you know, s- some damages on the van. So. Oh, yeah. All right. This is all good. This is great. Is there anything you'd like to add? We played a we played a show one morning in Colorado. We had had two shows the day before and got pretty turnt the night before. I think all of us stayed up super super late. So a couple of us saw the sunrise. But this one, Noah was worse for the wear. And our it's the Fourth of July in Fort Collins, and our gig was an outdoor stage, and we played in direct sunlight. And I was wearing like a like a an America spandex onesie. And Noah had on a cape and fell over at some point during sound check. It's hotter than blue blazes. And I got I got super hot in my spandex and went around the side of the bar during our set break and had my friend hose me down with the hose. And I'm like, oh, it feels wonderful. And I turn around and there's just all these men staring behind the fence. And my, our friend Ellen was like, yeah, get out of here, yeah. And I'm like, to my girl, like, shoot, shoot, what is wrong with you? Yeah, it was a, it was a good show, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> Especially after getting hosed down. Yeah, in a lot of ways, the time on tour with the band has a lot of elements of the West Coast counterculture scene, like the Merry Pranksters or something. So yeah. being in the van there's a lot of moments like that where things are almost out of control sometimes, but never are, (laughs) but always about the camaraderie and the music, but there's a lot of color in the van for sure. can't tour all the time you need to take a break so it's not fair ultimately to the musician because the expectation now is oh well you have fans you need a tour and everybody thinks that you just get in a car and go somewhere but there is a lot to touring you know it, it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of effort we enjoy it but uh it'd be nice still if there was a if there were other ways for you know that to translate to a, a, a band's or a musician's uh, well-being. Um, but at the moment, that's not the case. So we're kind of forced to continue to tour relentlessly. And any of you musicians out there that are listening that do that, they know it's, it, it's taxing. It can be tiring at times, you know. Our drummer, who's not you know, with us uh, this weekend, but still very much a part of the band and Future Plants, is not in jail. <laughs> <laughs> he had this um had to get some dental work done a few years ago and he had this one tooth you know that was like a fake tooth and he would pop it out every once in a while uh, uh-huh. he put a put a big smile on and be missing a tooth and it was kind of like his thing well one day somewhere on the road he he lost it and he's like man i lost my tooth 
And then like he couldn't find it anywhere. So like literally like six months went by. And this was like last fall. And we're pulling in from some overnight drive, picking up the van from some Walmart parking lot or something. And Adam's in the front seat and shotgun and he's stretching, stretching. And he reaches one hand down into the seat and then his eyes get real big. And he's like, I found my tooth. <laughs> and there it was, the tooth that was in there for six months and he popped it right back in his mouth. Clean it up. Crumbs and dog hair and oh, it's just bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what? That was Danger Muffin, preceded by a band we featured earlier in 2019, Town Mountain. Danger Muffin, along with the Deer, will have their own episodes here soon. I hope you have enjoyed these tales from the road on Southern Songs and Stories. A good companion to this episode is the book Another Nightmare Gig from Hell by Nick Zellinger and Tammy Brackett, which was an inspiration for this podcast. It's 168 pages of stories from bands that have had just about everything imaginable happen to them while on the road. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. We invite you to like and follow the show on our Facebook page, on Twitter at South Scenes, and Instagram at South Stories. Send me an email, and I will be glad to get back to you from southernsongsandstories at gmail.com or from Joe K at wncw.org. This is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Here's one about me and Dirk's trip to Ireland. It was a good one. One, two, one, two, three. On a bigger ship, Riley Boggs, he came on along. He helped us play our banjo songs. It was the prettiest place that I've ever seen, entirely covered in emerald green. 